You're listening to Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi. Welcome to another episode of Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi. I would like to share two stories about a woman. She has two daughters. The first story, when her youngest daughter turned eight years old, she enrolled her into a boarding school run by German nuns, about five to six hours drive from home. All the parents came and dropped off their kids at the beginning of the year and left. Whether they were returning boarders or coming for the first time, this woman did not drop off her daughter and leave. She stayed overnight. The nuns offered her the sick room, which was the only private room close to the dormitory that housed about 50 or so little girls. The school went up to grade seven. She politely declined the separate room and asked to sleep with her little girl in the single bed amongst a sea of young kids. She did this because she knew that if she was having difficulty with her decision to take her child to boarding school at this age, how scared of the unknown and apprehensive her child could possibly be feeling. She wanted to help her even a little bit with the potentially traumatic transition. The second story, the same woman's eldest daughter had a severe car accident at the age of about 18 or 19 years of age. The injuries had her bedridden for about a year. During the first few months following the accident, this woman finally took the annual leave she had been carrying for a few years. This afforded her the opportunity to be at the bedside of her daughter for about three months every day without fail. When the leave days did eventually run out, she enrolled for night duty as she was a psychiatric nurse. She was at work at night and at her daughter's bedside during the day. Even when the daughter was released to rehabilitate as an outpatient, she continued this vigil until her daughter was up and about again. This woman is my mom. She wore so many hats. A wife, a mother, a daughter, a professional, a student, both locally and internationally, a traveler, a tutor, a lecturer, a community worker, a business person, and a dedicated Methodist amongst many others. That is the woman who taught me through living a life that is aligned to her own personal vision, how to break the bias. I am a product of a woman who unapologetically shared the responsibilities of bringing up her children with her husband, taught me how to outsource help so that she could do so many things that she wanted to, which benefited not just her, but the family as well. How to get things done without compromising too much of her dreams. 
And this started from the day I was born. She gave birth to me at the hospital where she was doing her nursing training in Ngutu in KwaZulu-Natal. Dropped me off with my dad in Newcastle and went back to continue her training, leaving my dad to care for an infant, giving me a blessing and a privilege of a lifetime. But this is a story for another time. She is my best friend. On occasion, she drives me up the wall, as many of us will say about our mothers. My friends, relatives, and many people who know us are in awe at the type of relationship we have. I tell these stories to introduce three issues I would like us to reflect upon as women. Not just on International Women's Day, but in how we are showing up in our lives all the time, wearing these many hats that we do. The first is about the quality versus quantity. My mother was a master of this life class. If you count her physical manifestation in the number of hours we shared with her growing up, you will say she was not a strong presence. And you will be right. How Mrs. Simsomi showed up in our lives was in quality. When we needed her, she was there. Without us always asking her, she knew when her presence was non-negotiable. And the two stories I shared are just part of the many which made all the difference. My sister passed away in 2006, but both of us had relationships with our mom that many children who never went to boarding school at the ages we did do not have even as adults. Children who saw their mothers every day, whose mothers made all their meals, took them to school and were ever present, who never had their mom studying in Sheffield University in the UK for about two to three years as a teenager without seeing her at all until she completed her studies. This was before the cell phones but we received a letter at least once a week. The lesson I learned from my mom is that she did not define her womanhood only around the home. She enriched her mind, body, and spirit. She understood that she is not able to achieve the best in life without enlisting the support and help of her husband. Being an exceptional mother was not about how much she was physically with us. It was about her impact when she was there and whether she was there when you really needed her, even when you did not ask her or know you needed her. And what my mother was great at doing was to communicate. As young children, she will tell you why she was making the decisions that she was making. When she sent us to boarding school, even at those young ages, she told us that it was because she was working full-time and studying with UNISA through correspondence, leaving her with limited time. She believed that giving us some stability in a good educational environment would be best. 
and she came to visit quite often. She did not just dump us and see us only during holidays. She visited me more often than the parents of my friends who even lived in my neighborhood. And if dad could not come with her, as at that time she seemed to be forever taking driving lessons, but never pursuing the driver's license until years later, she would take taxis to come six hours away. You just felt pure love in every interaction. That is what made the difference. The second issue that I would like to cover is the concept of, I wish I had a wife. Let me explain. The challenge facing South African organizations and society, as in other countries, is the change of the composition of the leadership structures to include more women. There is a view that representation of women in leadership would multiply exponentially if women were readily able and willing to collaborate and actively support each other using networking as one of the many tools. So as Busara Leadership Partners, which is my company, whose expertise is to facilitate the development and effectiveness of leaders to achieve their desired goals. We set out to do research whether this hypothesis is actually true. Networking can be defined as building relationships before you need them. Then when you do need them, you know whom to call and he or she will be able to help you. We conducted 30 qualitative interviews with 30 CEOs and chairpersons, both males and females. Most of the females express anxiety of constantly keeping themselves top of mind. They say that men have the time to invest in networking. One of the respondents actually said, they have a wife. They do not have the guilt of spending five hours on the golf course or going to the bush for the weekend and building meaningful relationships. I need a wife who looks after me, except it is me. <laughs> what we discovered during these interviews is that men are still largely blind or intolerant to the disadvantages that women experienced at home or at work. And benefits that men still continue to enjoy. One male CEO actually said, I don't believe that it is true that women are restricted in their ability to network. Why can't they come to the bush? Their reasons are not insurmountable. Women need to compromise. They must organize their lives. In the very next breath, the same interviewee said, it is important that women maintain their femininity and their role in the family environment. The structure of the home is under threat. Women continue to wear more and more hats without negotiating different relationships with their partners in the home. The fact that women said they wish they had a wife and did not use words such as a helper 
a more supportive partner is telling in itself. We have not evolved our views of ourselves as women and our roles. We are the ones that keep entrenching the stereotypes. Biologically, men are not able to carry children, but they can share the caring for them. We can certainly share the running of households. As Sheryl Sandberg said in her book, Lean In, the revolution and a truly equal world will be the one where women run half of our countries and companies and men run half of our homes. Do we want to continue reinforcing with every decision and action that a woman's place is in the home and that men are living like they are just guests in our own homes, even though both parties also work outside the home? That looking after children is only and primarily a woman's job. I am happy that I had a mother who did not think like that. The person I am is very honored that my father was so involved in my upbringing from when I was an infant, not because he was a single parent, but because mom insisted that in order for her to live out her dreams in this life, where we only have 24 hour days, she cannot do it all alone. And what an honor to have had a father who did not think his manhood was being challenged and embraced his co-parenting role beyond a monetary contribution. A few years ago, Busara Leadership Partners again conducted research with 30 working women that are executives and entrepreneurs in South Africa. The reason we did this was to prepare for a presentation that I was due to give in Jordan at a woman's event about the types of support women in South Africa have, which lightens their load as working women. Jordan at the time only had about 14% of women in the workforce. My friend, Lara Ayub, whom I was visiting, has an organization that lobbies workplaces to create childcare facilities so that more women can be part of the workforce. Virtually all the respondents indicated that they would rather get help from their friends, extended family members, nannies, and only as the last resort, get their husbands to play a greater role in looking after the children. Modern women are still insisting on being the only ones doing everything. And when I shared these results with some of the respondents, they were shocked at their own thought processes. They were not even conscious of their decisions. Their first instinct was to look for another female, whether a nanny, a friend, extended family member, as the next choice not the fathers of their children. I hope as today's women, we will grow to appreciate that men must be given the opportunity to be more involved and if need be, demand greater sharing of home and children responsibilities. 
The third issue that I would like to cover is the guilt trap. Part of why women don't push for greater equality in home front is because our understanding of what makes a good woman and a good mother is closely tied to our role in the home. So we can say different, but we feel different about the issue. And this is evident in our behavior. Women suffer from massive guilt. The reality of our lives is that we are wearing more and more hats. However, the hours in a day have not increased, but somehow we want to put in the equal amount of time and focus in the home front as we do in all the other areas. Our partners do not share our housework and child rearing equally. Cheryl Sandberg again touched on this issue when she said, in the last 30 years, women have made more progress in the workforce than in the home. Our identity is still very much tied to how we are as mothers and wives. That is why there is still a stigma when a woman is not married or does not have children. I once wrote an article for a newspaper reflecting on my journey as a woman. The one aspect about being a woman that has not evolved much in how one's womanhood is closely aligned to having a child or being married. You get to the mid-30s and the whisperings begin about the health of your eggs and running out of the clock. When we truly redefine our value as human beings, not just as women, beyond the traditional and stereotypical roles, only then will we break the bias. As women, the guilt trip is a critical barrier we need to overcome. James Baldwin, who was an American writer and social critic, had the right sentiment when he said, freedom is not something that anybody can be given. Freedom is something people take. People are as free as they want to be. It is evident that women play a role in perpetuating patriarchy. Patriarchy is described as the ways that the world is organized about ideas of gender, and in particular ideas about men and women that distributes unequal power and authority, leading to the subjugation, discrimination against, and the oppression of women. Patriarchy is not only demonstrated in extreme actions like female genital mutilations, honor killings, or gender-based violence. It is a social construction that is mental, legal, economic, political, and spiritual that achieves the most enduring system of domination. Gender roles and stereotypes are seen as natural, and universal. If we do not tackle patriarchy, it is almost impossible to break the bias. Transformation is only possible, but it starts with us as women, acknowledging 
that we also play an unwitting role in perpetuating unequal societies. Equality needs constant vigilance. Deeply rooted stereotypes and discrimination against women, even by women, stand in the way of equality. Thus ensuring that women continue to be treated like second-class citizens and fare less in the economy, in education, in health, and in life in general. Behaviors and attitudes of women play a role in delaying, and in many instances, of men having authority and responsibilities in child-rearing in the home, as well as women advancing in institutions outside the home. As much as women are encouraged to achieve in areas such as politics, business, science, technology, we must also encourage men to be more active in child-rearing and housework, not only to help relieve women, but because these are valued and are integral responsibilities of the human experience. The continuous segregation of the home as a woman's territory prolongs traditional roles, biases, and sexism. Mahatma Gandhi says, as human beings, our greatness lies not so much in being able to remake the world, but in being able to remake ourselves. To break the bias, females need to stop being self-sacrificing and not fighting to abolish female monopoly in traditional feminine roles. Do we truly want things to change? What are we willing to do and sacrifice to experience the change we want? Break the bias. I dedicate this episode to my mom, Mom Simsomi, who modeled how to break the bias. And my dad, Vu Simsomi, the most gangster feminist who contributed to the woman I am. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wisdom Personified Conversations with Durum Somi. Please also like, follow and subscribe to our channel and share the wisdom with your friends. I would love it if you could rate and review as well. Wisdom Personified Conversations with Durum Somi is also available on YouTube, Facebook Watch, Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. Enjoy the wisdom journey.